Abba Yahweh. Thank you again. Take me to your word, your truth, your knowledge, your wisdom, allowing me to share this with any that have an ear, let them hear and listen to your truth. Turn to your truth. Seek your face in your truth. In a word, Father God, our guidebook, our roadmap, our instruction manual that you had placed for us, Father God, comes from you. It is you. It's our guide to you, Father God. That those that seek your face will find your face and feel your presence, Father, as I do. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. So, um, began with a little technical difficulty, but God is always a guide, teaches so many things. I mean, he's a mechanic, a carpenter, loves motorcycles, and he's a technological wizard, despite the fact that the prince of the air tries to do what he can to hinder sharing of the word. So I am going to share some things with you. And you may remember that some of these things, um, we have, um, you'll hear me mention Greek sometimes and Latin. Uh, remembering that Latin was the predominantly spoken word from Rome. And remember that during the time that Jesus walked on this plane of existence, the Roman Empire was in jurisdiction over Jerusalem and most of everything, <laughs> mostly everything. Um, the Greeks were a power that came to be and their religious teachings and their philosophies were also widespread, became widespread. And Greek was a, um, uh, I don't know if it was so appropriate, but Greek was the language of philosophy and education. Um, so many schools taught Greek and Latin, and a lot of transcripts and scriptures were translated into those. Um, as a matter of possible interest, y'all, then we have to remember some things that I've shared with you before that come from uh, a lot of things that I share come from a Latin root, and most of our language, our English language, um, comes from both the Greek and the Latin. And you will find in dictionaries, you will find um, Latin definitions and phrasings that are put. So we're going to go and see the rule of faith. Regula fidei, the rule of faith. And the rule of faith is to search the word of God from front cover to back cover, back cover to front cover, it is all interwoven. 
It's a very fine cloth that our Lord stitches together and creates a beautiful tapestry. All the seams are flawless. There is no puckering in the material. It's just beautiful, flawless tapestry that's woven. And the other the other Latin which applies also, and there are many organizations, let's call it um, they verbum, word of God. And there's some leader more orthodox at Sola Scriptura, only the Word of God. <clears throat> I happen to fall into all that like category, I guess you could call it that, because the Word of God is His empirical evidence, shows me, and it is His infallible truth. Everything that He says. In this book, in this guidebook, roadmap, instruction manual is true. And I have found it to be so for the years that I have walked and that God has blessed me, graced me, and mercifully allowed me to walk in this plane of existence. That he has given that. It's a beautiful thing. I love that thing. I love it. So I believe, my faith tells me that the Bible is the word of God, came from God. Jesus, the word of God, spoke from, and remember in John 1, 1, we are, we are given that. We are told in John 1, 1, when there are those that are disputing this. And this, this shows the sovereignty of Lord Jesus. It shows what everything Jesus, <coughs> pardon me, everything that Jesus was sharing with the disciples and teaching us is that he comes from the Father. He and the Father are one. And if the disciples are one with him, then they are one with the Father. They love him, they love God. That's where he came from. And John writes this in John 1, 1. In the beginning. In the beginning. And I've shared this with you before. And it's also important that we note that the Holy Spirit was from the beginning. When we go to the book of Genesis, we can find that there's a lot of a lot of individuals that lean toward the Holy Spirit not being here until Jesus calls it when he goes back to heaven and transfigured and taken back to heaven and he ascends and the disciples sought up there but he promises before he goes that he'll send the comforter which is, of course, we know now is the Holy Spirit. Well, I dispute that teaching and the reason I do that is because the infallible word of God shows us in Genesis 1, 1, 
if we see this, we go there. We'll jump back to John 1, 1 here in a minute. But in Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What is the Holy Spirit? What are we told throughout the rest of the Bible about the Holy Spirit? That it is the Spirit of God. What did God tell the woman at the well? God is Spirit, and you won't have to go to Jerusalem where you're forbidden to go and worship God because you will be able to worship God anywhere as long as you come to God in truth and in spirit. So now, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. That was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And now we learn also that John the baptizer came to give pronunciation for that light or to announce that light, and he was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of that light. Only to bear witness, to prepare that road unto him. And when Jesus came down to the river to be baptized, and John, Andrew was there, Philip was there. John, his cousin, his earthly cousin pointed and he said, behold, the Lamb of God of God whose sandals I am not fit to latch. So brothers and sisters, we have a declaration of the word of God. And throughout the word of God is constant truth. And I'm going to share with you here that I found I was as I was studying this morning and going through the Bible, the word of God, um, there's a lot of things that Jesus talks about. If we flip back and forth, we can, and we can find that actually. We go in Mark, and uh, which I've been reading. This is part of my class study, but going into that anyway, because it is his word, and I like to be in his word. So we're going to go back over here, and where are we at? We're in. Uh, Oh, sorry, lost track here. Where'd I go? Here we go. So, Jesus is doing a lot of teaching, actually, and, and Mark's taking note of much of this. But in particular, I want to share with you in Mark 12. And I find this Rather fascinating, actually. Um, Jesus's teaching was strictly truth, but the Pharisees really had a problem with this thing. 
Um, and the Pharisees, whenever he got finished doing something, they always got agitated. Um, here we find in Mark twelve twelve, and they sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people, for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them, and they left him and went their way. And that was just, that was the parable that Jesus was teaching of the vineyard and the husbandmen and, and the sending of those that were trying to collect wine from the the vines that he owned and at least this to um, individuals, but they refused to comply. And ultimately he sent his son and they killed, betrayed and killed his son. <clears throat> Pardon me. And what I find fascinating in reading all these scriptures, whenever the Pharisees came to Jesus, and sadly, I find that that's taking place now. When I look around and see much of the activity that is being played out, is that there are individuals, <coughs> pardon me, that are more afraid of people and what man is going to say, and they care more about that validation and more for that value than they do God and Jesus. And this plays out in all the testimony. When you see the teaching and you follow the teaching and you read the scripture, you will see that every single time that the Pharisees and the scribes and their, their little lawyer group and their little, their little entourage, they were following Jesus, but they were following him because they wanted to spy on him and find out how they could, how he had a weakness and how they could just put their hands on him and kill him. You see in the scripture many times that they looked to ambush him, to lay hands on him, so they may destroy him. But they feared the people. They feared what man would do to them and had no idea or concept of Jesus being who he was or who he is the only begotten son of God who could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. Yet he did not do that. And when he hung on the cross, when he was nailed to the cross and he was dying and before he gave up the ghost, see, they didn't kill him in reality. He did what he was supposed to do. And when he speaks that, Father, it is finished, it wasn't a declaration that he was just all tired out, that he was, okay, I did what I came to do, and it's done here. And then his spirit left. <clears throat> but before that happened, what did he do? He looked down at us while we were standing down at the foot of the cross. Yes, I say us, because we were there. He looked down and he saw us. When he looked at a distance, he saw us from afar off and he came to die for us anyway. And he looked down and while we were standing there with the Pharisees, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
not only was that evident when he was hanging on the cross and dying for us, but all through encounters with Jesus that we find, <coughs> pardon me, through the Gospels, the good news of the New Testament, although Jesus can be found in prophecies and other ways in the Old Testament as well. And evidence of his being all the time. But the Pharisees always had this, they know not what they do. Every time they argued with him, it was always about laying on of hands. How they could get him and destroy him. And this is a, this is a very evident issue that we find in Mark 12, actually. So in Mark 12, and they said unto him, certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians, and to catch him in his words. Now, we're going to jump right quick into that, is that the Pharisees and the Sadducees were members of the Sanhedrin, and they argued with each other all the time. The Pharisees were uh, of the ilk that read the prophets and mostly all the Torah or all the scriptures. And the Sadducees believed only in the first five books because they were the law. And that was all that mattered to them. And they had the judgment the judges have been in between, and the chairman of that board was the Abu Din, and he had to sit in between with the other members and hold sway any physical altercation between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because sometimes it would come to that point. They argued with each other. The Herodians, they had issues with the Herodians because Herod, they didn't like. He was despicable. He was placed in... Uh, as the governor and was given that authority. The Romans put him there and the Romans kind of backed him up, but he had his own special guard, the Herodians. And the Pharise whenever they got in something planned against Jesus, you would find that you had the Romans, the Herodians, the temple guards, um, and it is what they did when they went to the garden to seize Jesus. When he was in that little ante to the garden and Gethsemane, I think it was Ceridon, I think was the name of it, but it was a little private place. And Jesus used to go there to pray all the time. And when he was there, you had the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Temple Guard, and the Romans. They all came to him. This is why Jesus confronted them then and there. You come like a bunch of thugs. So let's digress again. Sorry, I <laughs> went off on my side rail. Um, but we're back to Mark 12. And when they were come, they said unto him, Master, we know that thou art true and care for no man, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. It is lawful to give to Caesar or not. What does that sound like? That sounds like a bunch of two-faced hypocrites double speaking, which they were, and Jesus said, shall we give 
or shall we not give? Here we go. But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. They brought it, and he saith unto them, Who's this image? And subscription. And they said unto him, That is Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Then come unto the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection. And they asked him, saying, Master, Moses wrote unto us, if a man's brother die. And then they tried their hand at getting into this thing about the seed and the wife and and all. They, they kept trying to trap Jesus in. But you notice what he caught them there. They began with the flattering words. They began to try uh, to set him off guard because of flattery. And he said he knew their hypocrisy. And he just told them straight up, why do you tempt me? Why do you try to do this? And then he told them. So now from here, we're going to follow that rule of faith. And we're going to jump into the Old Testament. Now we're going to go back. Um, let's see, I wrote this down in a side script here, one of these places. This is approximately 1,000 years. Let's see, Daniel was 700 years, and David uh, wrote the book of Psalms. And this was, this was something around 1,000 years before Jesus was crucified. We have a pretty long time to go, but here we go. We're going to go to Psalms 12. <clears throat> Let's see if it doesn't sound vaguely familiar. Help, Lord, for the godly man see this, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. Oh, look what I have. Look what I got. Look at this new car I just bought. Look at this big house I just put over here. Look at all this stuff that I put in. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. So they speak with vanity. And with flattering lips, with a double heart do they speak. And they're talking to their neighbor. You know, we're going to have this really great barbecue. And, you know, it, we love you and your wife and your kid. Bring, Come on over to the yard. Come on over to the barbecue. We'll have a good time. And then going into the house, the truth he tells to his wife, yeah, I just invited Joe and his brood and they're going to come over for the weekend barbecue. Well, why did you do that? You know we can't stand them. I know, but they're going to smell everything over there. They're going to see everybody going in the back gate and uh, and they're going to notice it. Uh, Ted and Alice are going to come from across the way and bring in their kids, so they're going to feel, you know, I just didn't want to be put in that position. So I lied to them and told them that we loved them and told them that they could come too. I flat out told them a lie. I gave them 
hypocrisy and I spoke flattering to flattering things to them that I didn't mean. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue shall speaketh proud thing the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Denying the sovereignty of God. And that, take a look around, brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, it's going on now. And this thing that we have, basically the biggest thing that goes on is this, um, I want to be cautious, but I'm not going to be worried about what the coalition decides. They can decide whatever they want. But you have these people that worship the goddess of the rainbow. Ishtar, a Babylonian false deity who is capable of changing genders. It talks about that. There are words about that. There is scripture that verifies that that's what they would do. And they would give blood sacrifices to this goddess, the goddess of fertility and sex. And in the temples to worship this false deity, they had... uh, Temple prostitutes. And I shared with you this thing that my nephew sent to me, and I was absolutely flabbergasted and amazed. And I, I had to I had to call him. <laughs> I called him and said, Did did I hear what I thought I heard about the children? And he said, Oh yeah, it's in there. It is. And what they were saying, they were crying as they came they have come for our children. That declaration was made. Now, there's a problem that comes up, and the reason that I bring that up is because very specifically in the Bible, you have the um, false deity of Balaam and Belak and Melek that the nation of Israel fell into that. No, they didn't fall into it. They walked into it. And they were sacrificing their own children. Their own children were made blood sacrifices to these false deities. Brothers and sisters, I know this sounds like a whole great strange thing that's going on. And a lot might not want to believe it, but let me tell you, I'm not going to make things up to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I will speak the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me the Holy Spirit and Father God that I speak only the truth. And that's all I will tell you. And just like here in, in uh, Psalm twelve four, who have said with our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? And what they do, what do they declare? When anyone tries to talk, they, they cry out bigotry or racism is the other favorite thing that they like to throw around, which is something that is just bantered around so readily in the bigotry except that the problem that is noted is that most everything that they are doing or the others are doing is exactly what they're crying the loudest about. Interesting how that works. And the absolute repulsion of anyone that declares faith in God or stands on their faith is ostracized and alienated. But we are told that that's going to be our walk. 
for the oppression of the poor, for this sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will send him in safety from him that puffeth at him. What does that mean? That means puffing your chest up and thinking you're so much better than everybody else in that vanity. It's kind of like a, a long time ago they used to say, oh, look at you just thumping your chest as you walk around. And so, you know, like, oh, look at me, look at me and drawing attention to yourself. It's kind of like the big silverback gorillas when they were in charge of their their uh, tribe or their group. That's one of the things that they would do is they would pound their chest and make themselves very tall. Ah, look at me, look at me, I'm the one in charge. Don't mess with me, because I'm the boss. And we have individuals that do that very thing now. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The best silver and the best gold is fired and refired until all the impurities come out and you only have the purest. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them, from this generation forever, the wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Wow. But don't despair because God promises to be with us. And then David further writes in Psalm 13 and 5 and 6. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he had dealt bountifully with me. The fool, this is in Psalm 14. So, In Psalm 14, we find that uh, 14, 1 and 2. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works, and there is none that doeth good. And you have that going on all around. Look at all these, uh, you have these coaches and these management teams and you have members of their organization that belittle and degrade those that exhibit and show faith. And you have those that follow their word by doing the same thing. Look at those young ladies that were on the soccer team because they stood up for their faith. There was They were not exhibiting any bigotry. They weren't belittling anybody else. They just said that they couldn't be a part of that and they weren't going to exercise in that way. And what happened? The backlash that came from them? Oh, the bigots and this and that. And then, of course, you had the team captain. What's her name? Rapinoe. She was probably one of the worst. And the... Bigotry and the absolute, sometimes the hideous things that were said. But then you look and see what happened. Those ladies went on to bigger and better things. And then all those that said that they were going to be better off without them. They got expelled three or four times in a row. They weren't able to compete at the level that they were in because... 
all of those young ladies that they alienated and ostracized were the team's best. But they didn't want to give them credit for that because they were declaring their faith and claiming to be Christians. Oh, they're so bigoted. Hmm. Well, this the word of God tells you that that, <laughs> that very thing's going to happen. And David's talking here in Psalm 14.1. They're declaring that there's no God and that they do all the wickedness and abominable works. And none of them do good works. They don't try to do anything. They just, they're vain and boastful and arrogant and mean and nasty. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. What is it that I tell you all the time when I share these things with you? And I invite you. I've invited you many, 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 many times. Don't take my word for it. Try my spirit first. And then go off into the word of God and seek his face. Seek his truth. Seek in his word all the things that I say because what I tell you is true. And in my early reading this morning, I find this God talking to me. <laughs> I love how he does this. And in my reading, And the heading is called, Seek Me. Seek me with your whole being. I desire to be found by you. I orchestrate the events of your life with that purpose in mind. And we always think that when everything's going good and everything, oh wow, God really loves me. Look at all this, this is good. And he gave me this and he gave me that and he does this and he does that. But brothers and sisters, I remind you that, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> I'm sorry, is that we are told and in the scripture and you know that the finest jewels are coming from fire and pressure. The finest gold and the most precious silver comes from being fired as the scripture describes seven times it goes to firing. And every time it does, you get and you pull out more impurities until finally, after the seventh firing, you pour out the most pure gold and the most pure silver into that jewelry. And we have to look at it that way, that when these tumultuous exercises take place. God is still there. God's still with us. He isn't gone anywhere. He hasn't left us and, and leave us there on our own. He doesn't do that. God promises not to do that. And he promises to be with us in all things. In all things. In everything. So in those firings that are going on, he is there. And I shared with you that thing I got to honor my father being a firefighter, but right 
next to the flag, it says forged in fire. <coughs> Pardon me. And the Holy Spirit brought that to my attention when I was going through um, some stage things. And he reminded me, he says, look, he said, you're forged in fire. You're going to be really, really beautiful when we're done. And I just thank my God. I thank him for being with me. I thank him for allowing me to do the things that I do that are about his business. And Jesus reminds us that there are things that are going to take place and that our walk is not just as smooth as silk all the time. And that we're going to have uh, rough patches that we're going to go through. But we just need to trust that his light is going to shine on us <clears throat> and be that light to show us the way and the path and the lamp to our feet so that we don't stumble and fall. And sometimes the things that happen, we're not going to understand them and therein comes the mystery. But remember that God is constantly with us and that is an absolute promise that he gives to us so that we seek him in the good times and seek him in the bad and when we're going through hard things, what do we find? There is God watching over us again and I have found this to be so often through my walk. And we're gonna go back to the fifth book of the Bible, book of Deuteronomy. We're gonna jump back up there to Deuteronomy 4.29. And in that book, and in that verse, it's shared with us. But if from there you seek the Lord your God, you will find him. If you look for him with all your heart and with all your soul. And what does Jesus tell us? To love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with our mind and our might. <coughs> Pardon me. Sorry about that. Indeed. And when this is being, this is being given to the nation because things were going on that were, nation of Israel got themselves into a lot of jams actually into idolatry, false gods. And they were constantly, it seems, constantly shaking their fists at God and trying to blame him for pulling them out of different things. And we just have to remember that God was still there. They, they... Didn't, they, they were so filled with doubt and they didn't, didn't find it, but Moses constantly reminded them and the prophets taught them and showed them. And like they're told here, but if from thence thou wilt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. And if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God 
and shall be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God, and he will not forsake thee, neither destroy nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. And then we have another reminder in Hebrews 10, 23. And in Hebrews 10, 23, we're reminded by Paul in this letter, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful, reminding us that though we might have things that are going on and it may swerve us off course, it may toss the boat a little, but that we have faith and continue and that we are watched over by our Lord who had promised and he's faithful to his promises. I've seen too many times. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you right now, I shouldn't even be sitting here talking. If it was up to me and it was my control, I wouldn't be here. I'd already be dead. Spending the length of time that I was in the military first and then going through some of these other things and places I went. And, and I'm living a consequential life because I forsook my walk with God and decided that I was in control, but I made a shambles of that. And in Psalm 145, 20, we're reminded, interesting thing that that was part of the scripture that we were sharing both in class and in church by our lead pastor, Psalm 145, the Lord watches over all who love him but all the wicked he will destroy. So if you are of that ilk that declare there is no God and why should we do this or why should we do that and you make that declaration, uh, chances are unless you repent and you hit that turning point, things are not going to end well for you. All you have to do is repent. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going now and forevermore. David shares that in Psalm 121. So brothers and sisters, please remember this, that you are in my prayers, daily coming and going. And what I share with you is the word of God in his way, in his truth, in his knowledge, in his wisdom. This is not my <coughs> pardon me, only mine because of my faith in God. But I don't make this stuff up to share with you and it's not story time from Raven on this. This is my father's business. This is my Lord, my God. You're in my prayers going and coming. Be blessed.